So I thought what I'd like to do uh, this morning is just my sermon's entitled Review of 2018. Um, it was actually meant to be my father-in-law who was going to be speaking uh, today. Um, uh, and uh, many of you know, know Peter, but because of the situation um, with Helen's cousin, um, sadly going to be with the Lord this week, um, they've had to go down there. So you've got me two weeks in a row, um, sadly, so I'm here this week and next week. Um, so lucky you. Um, so I thought what I'd do is I'd start by seeing if you can remember right, some of the good things that, or some of the things, that, the noteworthy things that have happened in this year. Um, because it's amazing how we forget, isn't it, the things that have happened in this year. Uh, any of us that were teachers uh, will remember with great joy the beast from the east um, because it meant we got several days off school. Probably not for David who has to go in at six o'clock in the morning to check whether or not it's, uh, it's, it's still possible to do school. Um, for those of us that just, you know, lower in the rungs, it's much easier because we just get a phone call saying day off. Um, uh, so yeah, beast from the east, that just, you know, that was very, very, very cold, wasn't it? Um, uh, this is very important. KFC ran out of chicken. That was a big deal for Patrick. He had to find another lunch venue for several days. Uh, would you believe KFC running out of chicken? You know, you probably forgot about that. Pat did not. Um, so yeah, KFC ran out of chicken. Uh, there was the Thai cave rescue. Amazing story of God's goodness, actually. And um, uh, one of the boys, I think oh, at least one of them was a Christian, and they, they, um, and they had this amazing testimony. of There were so many people praying for these people. Really amazing. They all got out alive. Just incredible, really, um, when you think about the complexity of everything. So that was a big deal, wasn't it? It happened over at least a week, that. Um, England did well, dot, 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 in the World Cup. Yeah, one questions whether they were really very good, but, you know, uh, we got to the semi-finals. Most importantly, though, England won a penalty shootout, um, which was, um, uh, and it, it's a shame that um, our, our new friends, uh, Andreas and Claudia, aren't here because it was against Colombia. Uh, no, it wasn't against Colombia, was it? It was against Colombia? It was against Colombia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, anyway, we can't gloat this morning over them. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, GDPR, any of us in any business spent so many times having endless amounts of meetings with the phrase, oh yes, but what about GDPR? Um, and that happened on May the 25th, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, and so that occupied a massive amount of time in our lives this year, didn't it, GDPR? Um, uh, Grant Thomas won the Tour de France. For those of us, that was a shout out to the cycling fans in the room. Uh, what's that? Pronounce his name, Grant. How, how would I pronounce it wrongly? Oh, well done. How do other people pronounce it differently then? Okay, good. All right. Okay, so yeah. Grant Thomas won the Tour de France. Um, a big deal if you're into cycling. Um, still a British person winning it. You know, six out of seven now. That's good. Six out of seven British wins. Um, uh, Theresa May danced for us. Um, hopefully this is going to work. Um, oh, is it running off Pat's, Pat's hotspot? It's probably not going to work, is it? Oh, it's a shame. We all love that dance. <laughs> Oh, there she goes, look, look at that, yeah. We all realised that basically she, dance, she dances like I do at disco and there were many people all over the country that were like, we have deep sympathies with you, um, you know, so fair play to her for giving it a go. All right, um, what else happened? We had, having had the beast from the east in March, we then had a giant heat wave, um, which I still think is ironic when we say there's a heat wave because if you go travel to most places around the world, this would be a cool day, um, 30, 33 degrees, yeah. So um, I love the heat, so it's great. I enjoyed the heat wave, I, you know, kind of quite like the fact we'll have it again hopefully in the summer. So we had a heat wave. Um, what else did we have? Harry and Meghan got married. 
Um, that was a really touching event. Um, I didn't watch any of it, um, uh, but it was very lovely. I find it really weird because how many of us have ever seen the TV show Suits? Right, okay, so those of us that have ever watched the TV program, it's really weird because obviously she was the actress out of Suits um, and obviously this guy was in Suits and he was thoroughly bored by the Royal Wedding. Uh, wasn't obviously as exciting uh, as it should have been for him. Um, for those of us that were younger in the room, yeah, big deal. If you're younger in the room, most of you people have no idea what this is all about, right? Two YouTube celebrities had a boxing match which was streamed live, all right? First event of its kind, it was really kind of groundbreaking, but let's be honest, no one really cares today, okay? But it was a big deal. If you were 16 or 17, um, then this is a big deal. Uh, Jose Mourinho got the sack. Uh, we were all quite grateful about that, especially Manchester United fans. Um, uh, and uh, let's be honest, he's lost it, hasn't he? Unless he's lost it. He's lost it. He's not. He's, he's going to need to. Yeah, go. Um, most importantly, though, this song dominated our lives. Um, those of us that know have got children under the, under the age of about 10, Baby Shark, there's no, there's no sound. Baby Shark, do, 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 do. Have you never heard this? Yes. Oh. You've never heard Baby Shark? You have. You don't want to hear it. Let's not play it. Just think, no, Joel, don't. Don't play it. Because everyone will be singing it for the rest of the day, right? Baby shark, yeah? Uh, but most importantly, uh, we spent the entire year talking about Brexit. And at the end of the year, no one's any clearer about what's going to happen, except for the fact that the politicians don't know what's going to happen either. Um, so we, we wait uh, with anticipation. Um, but you know, life is full of, isn't it? Big events. Oh, gee, I better turn it off, because otherwise I'm going to have... That's going to be on the screen for ages, that, isn't it? Can you blank the... Oh, let me just blank the screen out. I don't have to sit and look at Brexit for the entire, the entire sermon. No, no, I'll just no, do that for a second. Yeah, because we don't have to sit and look at the word Brexit for the entirety of my sermon. Yeah, it's really not important. The Lord overrules the nations, doesn't he? So I don't know about you, but I'm not that worried. I just have to just have them get on with it, you know, whatever they're going to do. But life is full of big off, big one-off events. Yeah, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a boxing match, whether it's a you know, uh, a heat wave or something. Sometimes things last for a little season. It's a period in our lives um, of kind of either difficulty or challenge. Or, and some things, like Brexit, just rumble on and on and on, and they don't necessarily get any easier. And we've been going for 18 months, and there's still been no resolution, right? Life, when we look back over your life over this year, and I'd, I, maybe we'll just do that for a second, um, turn to the person next to you, and tell, tell the person next to you, yeah, all right, what big events have happened in your life this year? What, if you look back at 2018, what will you remember it for? Yeah, we'll go a little bit interactive this morning. Go on, then turn to the person next to you or in groups. What will you remember 2018 for? <coughs> Get me a drink. No, no one's asked Chris, look. Chris moved school, there we are, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Was Simeon born this year? Oh. You forgot about that, did you, Terry? So, let's, uh, let's come back. Hopefully there's been lots, there will have inevitably been things that have happened in your life that have been big this year, things that have lasted for a season and things which are just still ongoing. But I thought it would be good for us this morning just to take 
some time to reflect, to reflect on what's happened in the last year in our own lives. Because I, I once heard a quote which has always stuck with me, which said, to fail to reflect is to be like a man who tries to fill a bath without putting the plug in. In the end, life's just happening, but you're not ever getting any better, you're not ever growing, you're not ever changing. And, and I suppose when we think about the situations that have happened to us, whether they've been good things or whether they've been challenging things, the question that we really should be asking as Christians is this. Have I grown in God this year? Have I grown in God? Am I more like Christ going into 2019 than I was going into 2018? Am I more like Christ? Has this year been about achieving my life goals or about achieving Christ's goals? And we need to ask those questions because I think it's important that we take moments and the calendar year is almost kind of quite a nice way to make us stop and to ask that question, have I learned anything? Have I allowed God to deal with my weaknesses? Am I any different to what I was a year ago? And you know, there's lots of Christians that truth be told are no different than they were a year ago. There's no different they were five years ago. Maybe some people no different they were ten years ago. In fact, maybe they've got worse. And I want to challenge this morning. I believe God wants to just use this opportunity this morning to ask us this question. Are we going forward with God? Because the Lord wants to take us forward. You know, my year this year has been, a, it's been I don't know if it's been a, a more remarkable year or a less remarkable year, but my year started out and I took on leading the church here. That was a big deal. It's been a it's been a learning journey, not necessarily a painful learning journey, but it's been a learning journey. I've had to grow in the Lord through that. Um, I uh, really had to seek the Lord for a fresh vision for the network um, and for where we're going, and I've spent a lot of time invested in that, and that's been incredibly challenging. It's made me feel more vulnerable than I think I've ever felt in my life over this last year. And, but in that, I'll be honest, I know that I've grown more in this last year than I have done for many years previously. Uh, this year I'm about to make a change in my job. I handed my notice in um, at my employment. Um, although I'm still gonna, they're still going to make me stay a little bit. But yeah, We've done a big extension on our house. We had to live with Pat and Gemma for eight weeks. That was an immense trial, right? Okay, right? Having to, you know, go to take Pat to the station every morning because he'd got up late again and again and didn't want to walk in the cold. Um, <clears throat> I'm a good friend. Um, I, this year, had my wisdom tooth out and I had a real horrible season of my life when my teeth were really bad and it was really challenging and God really dealt with me through that and I felt more physically vulnerable this year than I think I ever have done. We had to choose Nathan Secondary School, uh, which might not sound like a big deal, but for, for your first child and particularly when there's lots of schools you're not sure which one to pick, it, it's a big deal. You have to really say, Lord, we're, we're trusting our child's future into your hands. What do we do? And we obviously, this week, um, on Friday, we suffered a loss. Helen's cousin, as you were praying for, age 24, went to be with the Lord. You know? And you ask the questions, why? Why does these things happen? But you see, my question, my, my thought through each of these things, whether it's through my illness or my sickness, whether it's through having to make a big decision, whether it's through uh, making, uh, having to take on a new challenge, my heart is always, Lord, I want to grow in you. I want to go on with you because I don't want to be the same as I was last year. Because if I am the same as I was last year, then God's having no effect in my life. 
And I suppose that's the challenge for us this morning. Are we stretching on for something more of God? And I want us to read a couple of uh, scriptures uh, because Paul is obviously minded in the same way. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, he says, he's talking to Timothy, uh, his young kind of apprentice. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Timothy, I see something of God in your life. I see something that God has put in you. And he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I came, Paul, and I laid hands on you, Timothy, because I saw that God had touched your life. But are you fanning into flame that which God has put into your life? Or are you letting it like a little fire that slowly burns out? What happens to a fire if you leave it untended? It slowly gets lower and lower and lower. And I want to challenge you this morning. Are you fanning into flame, Terry, the gift that God has given you? Are you, Patrick, fanning into flame the gift that the Lord has given you? Is that your purpose going into 2019? Lord, I want to fan into flame the gift that you've put within me. And that gift is not necessarily some super ministry gift of this or that. It's really the desire and the hunger to be like Jesus. But Paul speaks even more strongly than this in Philippians chapter 3, talking to the whole church, verses 13 to 16. I love that. This is, one of my, this is my verse, I suppose, over the last few months that I've been uh, grappling with before God. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but do one thing, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul uses three very active words in this passage. Right? What's the first active word he says? He says, straining. He said straining for something. That's a very active word, isn't it? Yeah? Right, the next one is press on, right? push on. Right? And the third one is where it says, I lay hold of. Right? Uh, yeah, straining forward, I press on. Maybe I'm using a different translation. But it says in another, oh yeah, Jesus Christ has laid hold of. I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of for me. I think it's a different translation. But there's this idea that we're laying hold of what God's gospel is. We're straining forward. We're pressing on. Because we want the prize of knowing Jesus. And those of us that consider ourselves mature Christians, anyone else? Hopefully many of you in this room consider yourselves to be mature Christians. Well, if you're mature, this is what your mind should be. If you're mature in God, if you say, I'm a mature Christian, then you need to challenge your own heart this morning and say, is my life characterised by a pressing on, a straining and a laying hold of the prize? If it's not, then you are not yet in the position of matureness. Because when we are mature, that's what we do. We recognise that we have to push on for the things that God wants for us. I want to ask you a question this morning. How's your driving? How's your driving, Esther? bit dodgy yeah Pat's is definitely dodgy right my wife tells me that my driving is getting worse right okay I want to ask you a question are you a better driver than you were 10 years ago 
Terry might be a slightly safer driver, right? Those of us that remember Terry age 17 in his Nova, I remember Terry used to pick me up at age 17 in his Nova. I used to be slightly scared making the two-minute journey from my house to the church, right? You know, it was a dangerous thing. But, you know, many of us spent, like in this year, we've probably spent hundreds, maybe thousands of hours in the car. And the truth is, is that our performance has not necessarily improved. In fact, often, our performance gets a little bit worse. Because when we get comfortable with something, we start to let little habits in, don't we? You know, like, you know, we're going to change lanes, and, you know, we should always indicate to change lanes, but, you know, the person's quite far behind, so bothered, just going to come over. Yeah, all right, okay, or, you know, we, we should approach the roundabout in the right lane, but we know that we can cut across the lanes, much to John's disgust. All right, okay, all right, and we can cut across the lanes at the last minute, or, you know, we know that the speed limit is 30, but let's be honest, we know that the speed camera's not for at least another mile down the road, so we can hit 50 between now and then, Terry. <coughs> Yeah, all right, and so bad habits sleep steep into our driving. Yeah, the days of 10 to 2, yeah, have long gone. And you see, just because you do something a lot doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get any better at it. In fact, actually, sometimes the more you do something, the worse you can get at it. And Christian life can be exactly like this, exactly like this. We, just because you come to church every week, just because you may even pray every day, doesn't necessarily mean that you are straining forward for God. It doesn't necessarily mean you're pressing forward in God. It just means you've got into the same old routines. And I, I came up with this graph, which I, I thought, um, to me, sort of often summarises where the Christian life goes. You know, in the early stages of our Christian life, when we become Christians, life changes, doesn't it? Quite quickly. We make quite a lot of changes. We're really hungry for the Lord. We're really going for it. We're really like, yeah, I'm going to come to every meeting and, and I just love the joy of God and it's exciting. Um, but after a little time, that growth cannot maintain at that rate. It's just too intense, right? And God has to work out deeper things in our life and that takes time. And so you kind of go into stage two, which is steady growth, where you're kind of just learning and developing in God and seeing God teach you. But if we're not careful, Right, where we hit a spiritual sameness. We know how to be a Christian. We're happy in the Lord. We know the truth. We know Jesus loves us. We know that we are saved. We know that his grace empowers us to live. But then what happens is we just get steady. And what happens if you get steady after a while? You decline. And I realised, and I'll be honest, I'm speaking on a personal level, I realised, I remember it was about 18 months ago, I think, and I realised, I got before the Lord, I realised that if I looked at my life and I thought, I am actually less passionate and less holy and, uh, you know, uh, less focused on God than I was five years ago. And I realised that I had to put that right. I could not maintain that state. I could not maintain that life. I didn't just want to sit around waiting for the next big moment to happen, the next big crisis or the next big change to really meet the Lord. I had to find God today. I had to find God in what was going to happen. And I have set my heart to be about reversing this trend so that my steady growth continues. So that by the time I get to my 70s or my 80s, that my life is just like Jesus's. Because I believe that as I go forward, that my life should become more and more like him, not just some settled, same version. And I just really want to hope that your heart is like that this morning. So, how do we measure then spiritual progress? <clears throat> how do we measure spiritual progress? It's very easy, isn't it, to say things like, um, 
my, you know, my goal is to become more like Jesus. Or to say things like, I want to grow in God, or I want to go deeper with him. They're all very Christian phrases, aren't they? Yes, amen, I just want to go deeper with you, Lord. But what does that actually mean? If you, you know, my problem is, is if you set a vague target, right, if you set a kind of general vague target, the chances are you'll hit it, right? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, yeah? All right? But where is it, what is it that we should, as in our hearts, be focusing on? And I want to look at four measures, just really quickly, four measures that I think are good things for us to evaluate where we're at with God. And the first is this, tender-heartedness. Tender-heartedness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Are you more tolerant of people now than you were a year ago? Or are you getting slightly more grumpy? Yeah? Slightly more irritable. People just are winding you up a little bit more. People kind of forgetting to bring something to church just gives you that little inward... <clears throat> yeah? Or your wife. Or you're finding yourself hard so you see people and you say, oh, they just need to get themselves sorted out. They do. I realise that I need the Lord to make me tender-hearted. My natural inclination, the natural inclination of the human heart is to become hard towards others and focused on ourselves. And you want to ask yourselves a question, are you moved by more compassion than you were a year ago? Do you find yourself more compassionate for those that are in need than a year ago? I now struggle to read the news. Since the Lord has been doing work in my life, I read the news and I find it difficult because I find that my heart is being challenged when looking at that thinking, that is just so sad. I mean, what was it, you know, yesterday or two days ago, some poor family drives off a bridge in Norway. Just tragic. And yesterday there was a minibus overturned. Tragic. Andrew Strauss, those of us that know, his wife dies from cancer. And I think, Lord, I realise the Lord, I find it harder and harder. And I, I'm almost like, I'm always saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be like this. But I realise that's where God wants to bring us. To a place where actually it's painful to get through life. Because if we're tender-hearted, it's a challenge. But how do you think Jesus felt? Every day walking around and seeing all these people desperate, needy, broken, and that those that wouldn't turn to him. It must have been agony for him. So I want to ask you the question, are you more tender-hearted than you were a year ago? Are you going to set your heart to be tender-hearted? That's the first thing, tender-heartedness. The second thing is faith. Are we moving in such a way that we are creating a gap for God? Are you creating a gap for God in your life? If you can do everything, achieve everything, complete everything in your own strength, there is no space for faith in your life. And that you will miss an opportunity for God to move. I was chatting to Richard um, when Richard was in hospital, right? Um, and Richard, I, I'm going to pick you on you because you're here, and I just think it's a great example. I want to stand with Richard in this. I really believe it's right. So, you know, but... You felt the Lord told you, didn't you, when you were to be a hospital chaplain or to be available in some way to be a hospital chaplain. At the moment, right, that is going to be very difficult to do with all of your current circumstances. But what Richard has to do, no pressure, right, but I, I believe it's, it's what Richard has to do, is he has to believe that God wants him to do that and believe that God will make a way where there is no way. And that, by doing that, 
you will find that you will move on in your relationship with God because you've created space. You've said, God, I believe you've spoken. I don't know how that's going to be possible right now, but I'm making a gap for you to move. Right? We love the story of Joel, didn't we, a few weeks ago? Right? Joel, where Joel said, I want to go to India. I've got no money and no time holiday left off for work. And God, is, God has supplied him with the money and his boss was so moved by what he was doing that his boss gave him his own annual leave days off work so that he could have time. That is space for God. When we step out, we believe that God will fill that gap. But I want to challenge us. Is if you're not moving, if you're creating no gap for God, then how are you growing in faith? If you have not seen God do things for you this year that you could not, could not be but God, then there's space for you to grow this year. Amen? So, that's faith. The third thing is this. Are you growing in joy? And maybe joy is a, a, a reflection of what comes from tenderheartedness. But are you full of joy this morning? Now, I'm not talking about happiness, right? Happiness is a different thing, right? Happiness is one of those things that happens, that, you know, that's just how we feel this morning. But joy is a deep-set, rooted thing that is a determination of the way in which we view the world. When we are joyful, we, trend, we, we process the world in a different way. There's something in our hearts that says, I can rejoice that I know that God is good. I know that all will be well. Even though things on the surface may be good or bad, it's irrelevant. My external circumstances are not dictating my inner state of joy. Psalm 16 says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And this is the verse you'll all know. For you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've got a friend of mine um, who some of you will know, which is a guy called Jim Bailey, right? And he was an elder in Elton when I was an elder. Um, and the thing I realised about Jim was that Jim is like, I know, he seems like he's been there forever, but I think he's only about 75, right? Okay. And, you know, Jim, as he gets older, doesn't diminish in his level of joy, does he? He doesn't diminish in his level of positivity and enthusiasm for life. And I remember praying about two or three years ago, Lord, when I get to that age, I want to be like Jim. You know, when you see people that are like, like, like that, I don't want to be getting to 70 and being grumpy and fed up with the world, right? Keegan is a wonderful example of what it means to be in the autumn years of your life and to still be as joyful and as energetic as the early years of your life, aren't you? Yeah, enthusiastic. Now, you physically find that you're slowing but your heart is as much full of joy as it was when you were younger because that's what the Lord says it says though the outward body perishes the inward man is being renewed day by day I want to ask you the question is there more joy in your life at the end of 2018 than there was at the beginning are you finding that when you come to worship you're overflowing with a sense of joy I'm not talking you know maybe you have a Sunday and you're feeling a bit rough you know but I'm saying as a general rule, actually my life is full of joy and I love being with people and I love to minister and I love to bless God and I love to be about the Lord's business. Is that your, your life? Or are you being like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm just trusting the Lord through it all. Mm, amen. Yes, yeah, I'm just praising him. Mm, yeah, he's good, isn't he? He's good. 
Really? That's not much joy in that, really, is there? You know, you don't have to necessarily be like, you know, Theresa May. Yeah? Right? But there's something in your heart that just is like when someone talks to you, they're not kind of coming away thinking, oh, goodness me, you know, I need an injection of joy after I've just spoken to that person, right? But being with you, Joe, I spend time with Keegan, right? And I find that I come away from my conversation with Keegan feeling encouraged. I do. I, I just feel positive. Right? Those of us that knew Dave Weatherly would be a bit like that, right? You spend, time, you spend time with Jim and you come away at the end of it, you thought, oh, it's good to be around that person. I want that my, does that want, that's what I want my life to be about, right? To be around me is to be someone that just makes you feel like you've been with the Lord. Yeah? Amen. So joy. And the last thing is this, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, striving, we strive, like we're, we're pressing forward, we're straining. Paul uses that word, it's not Paul right in Hebrews, but the writer of the Hebrews says, striving for holiness. Striving for righteousness. I want to ask you a question. At the end of this year, would Jesus be proud to hang out with you? If Jesus spent the week with you, would he be like, yeah, I can go everywhere you go. I can watch everything you watch. I can be involved in every conversation that you're part of. I can drink what you drink. I can eat what you eat. And that's a challenge. It's a challenge for us. You know, we don't want to get into religious things where we're being all like, you can do this, you can't do that. But I want to ask you the question, we, as we go on with God, we should be seeking to be like Christ. And we should be seeking, not as a, as a way to please him, but as an expression of our love for him, we should be seeking to be like him. Because as we know him, we can't help but want to be like him, can we? And I want to ask you the question this morning. Are there areas of your life that you know that you've let slip? Those driving habits that have come in that are not really very good. And to be honest, if there was someone that actually was there to assess your driving, you'd be like, mm, really? That's not very good. Yeah? Or things you do when your wife's in the car that you don't do when you're on your own. Yeah? Because you know that you get told off. Yeah? For not driving correctly. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I want to ask you, is your life becoming more like Jesus? Are you being more righteous? We could add many others. Are you being more generous? And I want to challenge you. What are the things that God is saying to you for 2019? When you look back at this year and you ask yourself through the events of what happened, have I become more like Jesus or am I the same? Or have I got worse? And as I set my heart, what is it I'm seeking to grow in this year? Where do I want the Lord to work in me? Do you need to become more tender-hearted? Do you need to be growing in faith? Do you need to be growing in patience? Do you need to be growing uh, in, in holiness? Do you need to be growing in joy? And so I'm going to stop us there and we're just going to pray. And I'd like us to stand. And I just want you to respond. I want you to open your heart to the Lord now and really <clears throat> expose yourself before God. And maybe hopefully there'll be people that'll go away and sit down and actually think about what I've said this morning and not just forget it 10 seconds after we've finished. And say, Lord, am I growing in you? Am I becoming more like you? Or am I just in the same old patterns? Let's just open our hearts. Let's just pray.